Hi, I'm Sean McCambridge, Managing Director of Stellar Recruitment. Thanks for joining me on this journey to uncover the secrets of inspirational leaders. The reason I put this together is to share the unique journeys of these successful individuals and really unpack how they've achieved success and hopefully inspire others to do similar things. So thanks for tuning in and listening, and I hope you enjoy the series. Uh, Cameron, thanks for joining us and also thanks for joining Stellar as a brand ambassador. We appreciate it. Uh, we might just sort of go to the beginning. Where's Cameron Smith from? Provide us a bit of background on your upbringing and how you come to join the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Great to be a part of Stellar. A bit of background on myself. I, I grew up in Queensland, a town called Logan City, which is in between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. My upbringing was um, you know, quite humble upbringing. Um, my father was a bricklayer. Uh, my mother stayed at home and looked after myself and my two siblings, but it was a very much a, an enjoyable childhood that we, we shared, a uh, very close sort of neighbourhood that we grew up in. Um, had a lot of friends in our street where you know, we'd have barbecues uh, all year round. Um, most of the kids throughout the neighbourhood were playing out in the street or in the backyard. Um, used to have a fight with mum to get upstairs to, to have dinner, as most kids do um, throughout the summer months. But spent 18 years there before moving to Melbourne where I got an opportunity to, to join the Melbourne Storm and play first grade football, which was a dream of mine as a child. Now, I'm going to ask you to put your humbleness aside for a minute, mate, <laughs> Okay, as hard as that might be for you. Yes. But you're the most kept NRL player of all time. You're the second highest point scorer of all time. You've won four premierships. You've been the captain of Melbourne, Queensland, and Australia, and you're a future rugby league immortal. Uh, further to this, mate, hang in there. Um, your character is widely regarded and respected, and with this, you're an amazing role model on and off the field. My question is, and you've got to be, you know, put uh, independent if you can. You know, why is Cameron Smith so successful? Uh, thank you, first and foremost. Sean. <laughs> I'll sling you that twenty after we finish this, mate. <laughs> thank but, you, mate. Uh, why have I been so successful? I think first and foremost, I've been a part of a very successful organisation at the Melbourne Storm where I'm surrounded by you know, great people, not only my teammates, but also you know, coaching staff and, and people that are involved in our administration. You know, quality footballers as well that I've played with throughout my career, which have helped me produce what I've, what I've done in my career. Uh, but personally, the thing that's driven me or, or kept me hungry to you know, continually improve myself is that I've never been content with things that I've achieved on the field, both personally and in the team environment. You know, I've always wanted to be better and, and I believe there's always room for improvement. You know, people talk about perfection or being perfect. You know, maybe it does exist, but uh, I, I don't know if you could ever reach that, that height. Well, for me... I don't think you, you can. I think there's always small improvements in your life, whatever, whatever you're doing in life, whether it's playing sport or working in business, whatever it is. Um, and I try to find those things daily um, whenever I'm on the training paddock or I'm on the field on the weekend in the middle of a game. Like, how can I be better than what I was yesterday? Were you always 
successful? Well, take take yourself back to when you're, you know, 15 or 16. Mm. Um, did it always come, you know, a lot of people say it appears to come easy. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But were you always successful as a young kid? I, I believe I was, yeah. I believe I, I had a lot of success as, as a young guy, you know, because I worked hard and I always wanted to be the best at everything I did. That was the sort of type of attitude I had and, and the attitude I've always had. I, I hated losing for as long as I can remember. Playing, you know, backyard cricket with my dad and um, some friends, you know, if if I got bowled, if I got out, I'd throw the bat over the next door neighbour's fence so no one else could play. You know, I was that, I was that competitive about what I was playing and, and that's just backyard cricket. It's not, not anything serious. But I think that's what, what made me get the very best out of myself even even as a, a young guy you know playing junior sport I think the most important thing is the enjoyment I think that's the most important thing but in those years where rugby league became a little bit more serious you know sort of 15 16 17 I was always driven by you know, succeeding always driven by getting the very best out of myself and not wanting to fail not wanting to let anyone down you know, both my coaches and, and my teammates and, and I always wanted my family to be proud of um, my performances. I want to take the conversation a little bit towards uh, leadership. So the question I'm going to throw at you now is, have you always been comfortable as a leader? And second part of that is, how have you become more comfortable as a leader? Yeah, well, uh, first part around leadership and being comfortable with that role Believe it or not, I've, I've been the captain of my football side every year since I was eight. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's a, little, it's, a little, it's a little bit funny, but for what reason, I'm not too sure. I think as junior sports go, I think coaches there, they usually hand the captaincy to a guy that is fairly consistent week to week or you know training session to training session. So that's probably why I had that role early on. But I guess that changes a little bit when you come into a, an elite system like the NRL where I had to learn a few more things about leadership. You know, there was a period where our captain in 2005, he retired. And so there was a vacancy for the captaincy at the Melbourne Storm. I really wanted that role, but our coach Craig Bellamy, I don't think he felt that I was quite ready. I think he knew that I was probably the long-term choice for the club but at that stage I don't think he thought I was ready for you know the commitment that comes with being a captain away from the field he knew that I was quite consistent with my performances at training and on game day but dealing with or or managing different personalities within the group getting the best out of all my teammates every day and obviously commitments with you know the club sponsors media things like that so those were the things that I needed to learn to become the captain of my club side was to learn about getting the best out of you know, my teammates. That's going to happen in different ways, you know. Talking to people differently, approaching people differently with conversations, you know, they all react in different ways. So getting an understanding of that was important. Speaking in public, that was an important thing to do. Something I didn't really think about, I thought, you know, being captain of footy side was just going out and doing your job on the weekend, but there's so much more to being a leader in, a, in the sporting landscape now than what there was um, going back a few years. So, but more so than ever now, I'm, I'm extremely comfortable with, with that role. Um, I quite enjoy 
you know, having that role in the teams that I captain. I think in some ways you sort of thrive on that expectation to do the very best you can. I know people like Wayne Bennett have invested a lot in trying to work out what makes each individual sort of tick and how to read and understand people. How have you gone about sort of trying to evolve your skills in that space you sort of touched on a little bit before? Yeah, I think I think it's spending time with, with people and understanding how they work and how they get the very best out of themselves. You know, some people need a bit of a revving sometimes other people they respond better to you know a quiet chat individually they don't respond quite well if you say something in front of the group they tend to go backwards in that situation so it's it's understanding the personalities which change from person to person but you know i find that a short conversation when you're passing by one of your one of your teammates in the hall going for a quick catch-up at a cafe, just understanding who they are and how they work is, is the best way to, to understand how to manage you know, all those different people. Going to sort of take the conversation a little bit towards some of the leadership structures that you've uh, seen or experienced at the Storm in Queensland. Obviously, during your time, both of them have won an awful lot of uh, football games. What are, <laughs> yeah. what, what are some of those structures <laughs> or practices that, that exist in those environments that allow those teams to be as successful as what they are? Yeah, well, I touched on earlier about when we're at a stage at the Melbourne Storm where the coach was uncertain on who was going to be the captain. So we, um, it was a first for our sport, I believe. Um, the coach went for a rotation of, of captaincy from week to week. There's about five or six of us that rotated through. We were the leadership group, but we rotated through every week you know, and shared that role together until I was given the, the captaincy full-time in 2007. So that was a little bit different. That was the first of its kind, as I said, you know, in, in rugby league. Um, leadership groups, I don't think, historically have been um, huge in, in rugby league, but we were probably the first ones to start it because of where we were placed location-wise. It's been a part of AFL for a long time, so us being in Melbourne, we've probably stolen a little bit of what the AFL players do. Um, but I think nearly every club... Uh, in our competition now has some sort of leadership group so that's that's the sort of structures of leadership in in rugby league teams now is that you've got your captain but underneath you know that person you may have you know anywhere from four to six guys that make up a leadership group where you know you meet regularly and talk about you know team performance both the training and game day individual performances Anything from you know training structures, you know outside commitments with the club, and just talk about how you know individuals and the team can get the best out of themselves. Uh, and, and from that, there needs to be you know strong relationships with the coach or coaches in some cases, because you know the leadership group they're the bridge that connects coaches to the rest of the playing group. So any sort of messages going up or down from those two groups, that gets passed through and filtered by those leadership players. And that's really the way that the cycle works and you know, you can you can get the very best out of everyone. I'm gonna sort of go a little bit with that and talk about Craig Bellamy. I mean, his CV's Similar to yours, I mean, I, I believe he's got the highest win percentage of any rugby league coach yeah, past or present, mm. and you know, uh, somewhere in the order of five percent uh, above the likes of the great uh, Jack Gibson and Wayne Bennett. Yep. 
going to ask you a straight question. Why is Craig Bellamy such a successful coach and, and leader? Because uh, he's had special players. And he's team for a long time. No, I'm only <laughs> joking. I'm only joking. I, I think you know, Craig's best or biggest asset, whichever way you want to look at it, is the way he, well, the way he manages individuals. And secondly, the simple messaging that he gives to the playing group. Um, there's no sort of second guessing with what Craig needs you to do, both at training and in the game. It's it's quite quite a simple role that he'll give each player. It it varies from person to person and position to position on the field, but it's quite black and white what's what's needed of you to perform well. He gives you every opportunity to be your very best. You know, there's there's absolutely no excuses. Um, when you walk off the field to say, well, yeah, I couldn't have played any better. There's really no second guessing to when or what you need to to do to make sure you fulfill your role in the team. I'm going to sort of pick up on that a little bit. And uh, I uh, read a bit of a quote from uh, Cooper Cronk and, uh, and it went something like this. Uh, the club allows you to be better than what you are. You know, how, how, does, that, how does that, you know, play yeah. out? Yeah. And I guess you sort of touched on a little bit in your answer there as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably a little bit different to that quote. I think our club, um, in the time while I've been there, particularly, you know, with, with Craig as coach and, you know, the other great people involved, is that they give you the opportunity and the tools to be the very best you can be. I think that's, that's the way I, I see it. And to get the utmost out of yourself you know, to, to be or to perform the way you want to perform. That comes from the, the simple messaging, the quite simple role that he gives every player in the team. You know, as I said, there's no, there's no gray area when you turn up the training. You, you know exactly what you need to do, when you need to do it, how you need to do it. So there's no excuses for anyone. And, and that's why there's, there's every opportunity for everyone that walks through our door if you want to take the opportunity to be the very best you can be, you'll do it. The emphasis is, is put back on you to have the right attitude to go on and be the very best you can be because it's all there on a platter for you, you know, to, to do that. You talk uh, before about that focus on continuous improvement and being the best that you can be. Mm. Who's sort of inspired you? Who's really shaped you as a leader or as a player? I must say my parents from, from an early age, you know, I mentioned that come from, you know, quite humble sort of backgrounds and very blue collar family, you know, my old man being a tradesman, you know, and I, I remember, you know, my parents talking to myself and, you know, my brother and sister about if any anything you want to achieve in life, hard work needs to come first, you know, so I think for me that's been the most important thing is that, you know, working hard and having a, a good work ethic to whatever you're doing, whatever you, you're applying yourself to, bring success. You know, the, the harder you work, the more successful you're going to be. And, and to, at times, the luckier you get as well. You know, you need some luck in life at times. But, yeah, the, the su- sustained success that I've enjoyed personally and and the organisation that I've been involved in with the Melbourne Storm, you know, that nearly entirely from working hard. You can try and cheat your way to success sometimes, try and take shortcuts, but I think more times than not, you'll come undone. You'll get found out um, in some way or another. 
and really that's been our mindset since I first joined the Melbourne Storm is that you know the you can't take any shortcuts to anywhere you want to get to it all needs to be through hard work and dedication and that's all I've been about being a Kiwi, I've got to get uh, the All Blacks into this conversation. <laughs> yes. so, so, so sorry, mate. So, <laughs> That's okay. Richie, Richie McCaw is a shareholder of our business, and we've had some exposure into, you know, I guess, the All Blacks DNA and, and what goes on behind the scenes. But yep. reportedly, Craig Bellamy's taken, you know, maybe some skills, drills, or training, or, or cultural aspects from the New Zealand All Blacks. Yep. What, what have the Storm taken from the All Blacks? Uh, yeah, that's true. You got some good info there. Uh, but uh, as far as some skills, work or, or drills in training, they're, they're quite basic sort of ball handling stuff. Um, just some you know, movement, like body movements and early positioning, things like that, which is you know, a little bit tactical. But in the end, as I mentioned before, they're, they're, small, they're small things that can make a huge difference in the game. Away from the field, though, I think it's probably been the biggest change for us is, is understanding the the different cultures in teams or, or the different makeup of every individual which makes your team and having an understanding and respect of you know where people are from, uh, what what makes them go out on the weekend and and play their very best. You know who are they representing? What are they representing? Uh, and I think, as I mentioned that, I think that's probably what Craig has taken away from the All Blacks the most is you look at our side, I think we had maybe six six different nationalities in our side this year. Uh, Indigenous Australians, non-Indigenous Australians, Samoan, Tongan, Māori boys, yeah, Papua New Guinea, uh, you know, so yeah... Fijian, yeah, we, we we had we had several different nations representing one team, and, and that that was what we had to understand was that okay, we've got all these different nationalities, and you know we represent all different things, and we play for different reasons, but in the end, we represent each other. We represent the Melbourne Storm, you know. So and we really took a a step back and looked at the big picture rather than just going, right, we're here to play football and we're here to win. And that's what you know, elite sport's about. It's, it's, it's about performances and it's about results. But to have an understanding of how um, each person operates and, and what their values are, I think that was a key to what we've been able to achieve over the last two years. You know, we've had, some, we've had several cultural days where, um, you know, it might be the Samoan boys performing some traditional Samoan dances and talking about their traditions in Samoa and, um, you know, having some Samoan meals. And then the same with Fijian, Māori, Tongan, things from, you know, from, from the boys in PNG. So once, once you have that understanding of what makes everyone tick, the quicker you can be on the same page and find that end goal together. Talk to us a bit about uh, the bond and the d- dynamic that yourself, Billy, and Cooper have. Goes back <laughs> a way, doesn't it? It's going back a long time now. Yeah, <laughs> seventeen years ago we met, and it was just it was just a chance sort of um, meeting that we had. Myself and Cooper were 
we were contracted to the Storm at a, at a junior level, a development um, sort of group. So we were involved in our pre-season training at a football club in the north side of Brisbane, North Devils. And then just before our last pre-season game, Billy drove from North Queensland looking for an opportunity to play. And he turned up at our doorstep and ended up playing the last pre-season game and played quite well, I think. Um, and they said, oh, look, mate, you can stay on and, and start, you can be a part of the squad and we'll see how this year goes. And I think it sort of got through about halfway through the season and I think the coaches there and uh, the scouts at Melbourne sort of thought, oh, we got a pretty handy footballer on our hands here. So uh, that's when Billy was signed on a similar deal to myself and Cooper. And then from that day on, really, that was 2001, we, we've been together ever since. You know, I made my debut in 2002, Billy was 2003, and then Cooper was 2004. So we pretty much you know, started our NRL career quite close together. Uh, and then we've gone on to play you know, state of origin football together, representing our country together for you know, such a long time. It's, it's quite remarkable, really, what we've been able to achieve. And along the way, yeah, you know, as you mentioned right at the start, you know, we've won four premierships, we've won state of origin series, and we've won you know some some silverware with the kangaroos as well, which has been fantastic. It looking looking at the numbers and the record that we've produced together at the one club, you know, I don't think there's been another trio, if I can call it that, that have produced those numbers. You know, I've played over three hundred games. Cooper's done the same. Billy's on two ninety nine. It's uh, it's pretty special, particularly for our club being in Melbourne. You know, there's some clubs involved in the NRL that have been around since 1908, and they haven't had that combination or haven't had a combination like ours before. So for a club that's only 20 years old, that's uh, that's that's quite remarkable. Outside of the mateship, is there also a dynamic where you inspire and challenge one another to be at your best? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've all got quite different personalities. I'm I'm fairly laid back in all aspects of life, <laughs> including my approach to football. But when it's time to work, um, I certainly get my serious head on. Cooper's quite focused and serious all the time. You know, he he can have a laugh and all that sort of stuff. You know, he enjoys a good time, but he's quite intense for most part of the time. Whereas Billy's he's he's a bit in between. Um, so there's quite a quite a different dynamic as far as personalities go. Uh, in the end, the common theme between the three of us is that we have a hunger to be the very best we can be. And every time we we're in competition, we want to win. And whether that's against each other or <laughs> um, against one of our teammates, or you know, obviously when we're playing together against the opposition, that's that's certainly what we're about. And I think I think. In a lot of ways, we've helped each other strive to be the very best we can. We've always challenged each other, you know, whether it's pre-season training or the middle of the season, middle of games. We've always had that ability to, you know, sort of, you know, give feedback or question what's happening in the game, and then demand the other player to be better. And I think that's that's a big reason as to why you know the three of us have, have been able to achieve what we've done. 
I want to move past those, uh, you know, fantastic players, and, and you've played with a bunch of amazing players, but I guess I'll be really interested to understand why has Jonathan Thurston been as successful as what he has? I mean, arguably in the beginning, there weren't too many people giving him a great chance, you know, both yeah. on his size and stature, mm. but arguably, you know, he's achieved uh, things in the game that many haven't. So yeah. you know, what is it about JT that makes him so successful? He's uh, just a little insight. He's probably one of my, my closest friends. I knew JT before I knew Billy and, and Cooper. We grew up in similar area, played a bit of junior football against each other. I uh, would have met JT, I think, when I was about 10 years old, played against him, and uh, nothing's changed much uh, from the way he <laughs> performs on the field. He, he's a bad loser, he'll admit that. So am I, but I think the main reason Jonathan's been able to achieve what he's done in his career is his ability to compete in every moment of every game. As you mentioned, he's, he's not the biggest bloke getting around uh, and many clubs, I think, sort of give him a wide berth because of that and, and thinking that he was never a chance of making it. But I think his strong will to, to get out and then no matter what the size of the opposition was or how small he was, he was going to get out and, and win or at least compete. And, you know, I've, I've been involved in so many matches with Jonathan where our team, we looked down and out, we were gone. I don't think anyone would have thought that we'd win a match, but somehow he'd find a way to make something happen. Or on the other side of it where we were in front, hanging on by a thread, and the opposition looked certain to score. There's one man that always turned up, and that was Jonathan. You know, so that was... I think that's why he's been so successful and why he's got every inch out of himself um, in his career. You know, he's a four-time Dalian medalist. He's won a golden boot. I think he's won two golden boots um, as the world's best player. And he'll finish his career as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, if not the greatest, you know, regarded by some. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why I believe he's he's been... Um, so good throughout his career. Great answer. Great answer. I want to shift it sort of back to you and ask, uh, you know, what rituals or practices do you adopt to get the most out of each day or <laughs> yeah. life in general? I'm not big on any rituals. A lot of guys are, but I'm not overly big on rituals. And routine, I'm, I'm a bit the same as well. I'm a bit the same as well. I, I tend to take every day as it comes you know i mean it's uh quite yeah you know, yeah a lot of people sort of raise their eyebrows when when i mention that because you know when you see sort of you know elite sportsmen you think oh routine and they got their daily structures and it's very sort of militant almost but i'm sort of i wake up and i think okay well let's just roll with whatever whatever happens today i, I think that the the only time i really uh am focused is when um, it comes time to work. Um, yeah, whether that is, you know, whether I'm, I'm training on the field, whether we're in the gym, if we have a, you know, a meeting or, or a video session where we have to uh, do a review on our performance or look at the opposition coming up, um, that's when I, I tend to work. But I try to just stay as relaxed and laid back as possible. I, I feel that that's how I get the most enjoyment out of my work. And I think... I've always regarded that as the most important piece of 
of my work is that I need to enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, then you know, I wouldn't get the very best out of myself. I wouldn't be able to go and perform at the highest level if I, if I didn't like being there. So I try and stay you know, relaxed and try to have as much fun as I can while we're not working. Uh, but it's always been a, a you know, very important factor of you know, being an elite sportsman. The thing I like about that answer is it seems like you're quite self-aware. So you've been able to work out what works for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and exactly. not maybe chase a different approach. You've just worked out that that works well for you. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that, you know, we spoke about that earlier about everyone having a different personality or a different approach to uh, their work and, and getting the very best out of themselves. I think I, I found that quite early um, and I, I was lucky because some people, it takes them a long time or nearly their whole career to find what works for them the best, whether that's you know, their diet, their sleep, their recovery, um, what they do in their downtime. I was quite lucky to understand you know, early in my career that the best way to do that is just to be relaxed about your approach towards work and that enjoy every moment. But when it is time to work, you, know, you need to have your, your, your head on and, and be ready to do what's required. We're going to go a bit deep now, mate, so be oh, careful, here we go. brace oh, it. I thought we were deep already. <laughs> Very philosophical. Yes. This next question. Yes. How does Cameron Smith define success? <sighs> that is a deep question. Um, <laughs> well, for me, and again, this, you know, this, this answer would vary from person to person, but I think for myself, defining success would be you know, looking back on what you were able to achieve not only personally but what you're able to do for you know the teammates that you played with you know can i go back to all my teammates when i'm finished playing and ask them did i help you be the best football player you could be and if and if they said yes then i'd believe that i've had a successful career as a footballer you know that that's what that's the way I look at it. Some some people would just be purely on results, but for me, you know, sure, results are part of that because you know you've contributed. But for me, it's about looking back on my personal performances, knowing that I haven't let anyone down, and also have I played my role in helping everyone around me get the very best out of themselves. And if I can be happy with with that, then I've been successful. It's also an element of uh, a sense of feeling like you've reached your potential or, or played to your potential. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and that's that's what I meant by looking at your personal performance is that you got your very got the very best out of yourself um, every every time you went on the park, and and you hadn't let anyone down. I think you can consider yourself a successful person when you've done that. You've, you've probably touched on a little bit of the environment that you grew up in, but what are your personal values? Uh, personal values, I oh, look. I, I just try to live my life every day, being a good person. You know, being honest, uh, being respectful, um, being someone that is trustworthy. You know, people can trust, and you know, they're they're probably the three things that I live by every day. You know, it, it's something that we've actually spoken about as a group at the Melbourne Storm is that this is, you know, 
if you were to ask a question to a Melbourne Storm player, how would you like to be seen in the public? There are probably three things that they've mentioned straight away. Um, respectful, honest, and trustworthy. But that was that was really the way I was raised, as, as you just mentioned, Sean, that my parents raised myself and my siblings that way. So I think if you, if you live your life like that every day and you try to be a good person, try to be the very best you can be, more times than not, you're going to be quite successful in, in whatever you're doing. Great answer. Now, I've got a second answer to this next question, mate. So be careful with <laughs> okay. how you yeah, answer this one. Okay. How would your wife, Barbara, define what Cameron Smith is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I could get in trouble for this. No, I, will, I, will choose, I will choose my words quite carefully here. Oh, look, I'd like to think that my wife would, would describe me as being a good husband and father, you know, a caring a caring father, caring husband, someone that's quite fun to be around and is um, you know, someone that's you know, that she can trust and, and rely on. I'd like to think that. Maybe if I'm in the bad book, she might she might disagree with me there, but I, I'd like to think that that's probably the way she'd describe me. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Awesome. We talked a little bit about that before, uh, pre having a conversation here, but how do you maintain harmony as an ambitious and busy person? Uh, with with home life and yeah, so well, the I mean, balance. Home, you got uh, obviously your work or, or sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so sort of how do you sort of all make it kind of work? And also, I guess the mentally have some downtime as well yeah it's quite tricky sort of creating balance in your life when my job now playing professional sport takes up a lot of your time it takes up not only a lot of your personal time but also family time uh which you know is something that i I regard most important in my life is, is spending time with my wife and three children uh so i think you need you need to strike a balance i think it's important that to have that type of balance in your life to be able to be the very best you can be in both parts of your life there. You know, to be the very best husband and father you can be and be the very best footballer you can be is to have the right balance. Before before I was married and had children, football was really all I focused on. My wife's been my partner for a long time now, uh, 17 years. And you know, I'd love spending time with her, but because she worked and she spent a lot of time away, you know, from myself as well, you know, football was really lived and breathed. But you know, when we had children and we were married, that became the most important part of my life, and it still is. Uh, you know, so making sure that football doesn't. Um, take time away from you know being a husband and a father is is quite important to me I, I really make an emphasis on separating the two uh, and I, and I think once I achieve that that's when I was able to be the very best I could be in, in both parts of my life yeah I'm going to get you to be a little bit reflective looking back uh, obviously, as we t- you touched on there before, you've got a beautiful wife, three beautiful children. Mm. You've had a great career that no doubt you're proud of and you should be, yep. and, and you're on your way to leaving a, a, a legacy. <laughs> if you were to write a letter 
to that keen young 20 year old <laughs> uh, yeah. what what pieces of wisdom would you pass on now that maybe wasn't as apparent to you as a 20 year old i think looking at my profession as as a sportsman was to just apply myself a little bit more to my work early um you know when i when i when i first joined the melbourne storm you know i i just did what i had to do to get by you know day to day and week to week it was never about you know how how much can i actually get out of myself you know and it took a gentle reminder from craig bellamy uh, he actually grabbed me after one preseason running session and he just mentioned to me that you know he just said mate you could you could have a a good career in the nrl if you continue to train the way you are but if you want to be a great player and you want to get the very best out of yourself you need to get out of your comfort zone you need to you know you need to take yourself to places where you don't think you can go both physically and mentally which would in turn you know make you a better player you know and i sort of sat there and i thought well you know i'm training hard i'm making all the times that i'm required here and I went away and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I'll see. I'll try and understand what he means here. And and from that day on, that's really the way I've, I've trained every day is that yeah, I've tried to make the very most of my opportunities and, and to push as hard as I can, push myself as hard as I can every day. And I don't think if I had that conversation with him that my career would have panned out the way it, it did. So... If I was writing a letter to that young man again when I was 19 or 20, that would be the pretty much my opening sentence of the letter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> now, great, great piece of advice, and obviously it's had a big impact on, on your career. Um, I guess just in wrapping up, uh, Cameron, uh, we've got three values in our business, greatness, positivity, and leadership, and mm-hmm. I think you're a great example of all of them. Uh, like I said to Richard McCaw, I think very few people in this world can say they've attained uh, greatness. And I think humbleness aside, you're definitely there, <laughs> mate. So, thanks. So yeah, look, thanks. we really appreciate you teaming up with Stella and, and congratulations on all you've achieved and uh, all the best for, for what's left, mate. Cheers, Sean. Thank you very much. Thank you.